Maintaining your teeth can become more challenging, not to mention expensive over time, but it's much easier if good dental care is available when we're young. What is the state of play for children across Australia? A parliamentary inquiry is due to report on this in November, but we don't have to wait that long because we have Dr Mihiri Silva with us. She's a consultant paediatric dentist at the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne and a researcher in the field of oral health. Dr Silva, great to have you on the program. Thank you for having me. Now, Mihiri, you work at the Coalface in a public hospital in Melbourne, a very busy tertiary public hospital. What kinds of patients do you see that kind of give us a sense of the impacts of poor dental health in children? Yeah, as a specialist paediatric dentist, we tend to care for some of the worst dental disease, I suppose, that happens um, in children. And, and that's because they usually can't be managed in a general dental clinic. So they've been referred to us. And they might be children who are quite young and who have big dental problems and they need treatment and it's difficult for them to have treatment. Or it might be children with medical conditions um, and, and who need sort of more complex multidisciplinary care where we work with medical colleagues and so on. So what kinds of conditions might see a child ending up in, in surgery? So children, uh, we know that dental causes are one of the highest causes of preventable acute hospitalisations. And, and we say this because we know that with dental problems, if they're treated early, you can prevent them ending up in hospital quite often. And so it actually is just ordinary tooth decay, which might surprise people, but tooth decay can go on to become quite a serious problem. Fortunately, it's a minority, but it's much, much more common than than we would like to see. And how old are some of the kids that you're seeing? Look, we as specialists um, in, in Australia, we see children as young as two years of age with severe dental problems and, and infections. Uh, and it is really heartbreaking because they are they are young children who are, you know, really going through important growth and development uh, with sort of significant toothache and an infection. So you mentioned that uh, tooth decay is sadly a lot more common than we'd like to see. How common is it in the Australian population? We know that from the last National Child Oral Health Survey that about a third of children have already had tooth decay by the time they start school. Unfortunately, we don't collect any data about the oral health of children before they start school. And this is a this is a real issue for someone like me that treats young children. We know that the problem starts much earlier in life. Um, and then, of course, it, it sort of gets worse. And, and you know, about uh, 40% percent of kids generally have tooth decay. 40 percent? Yeah. I mean, that is huge. Do you know if that's worsening over time? Yeah, there have been some statistics and we've been watching them carefully. And and, uh, over the years, we're starting to see uh, tooth decay rates go up, particularly in adult teeth. It, It sort of settled for a little bit and then has started to dip up again. What's staggering, though, is um, when you look at baby teeth or, or primary teeth, we really haven't seen a major improvement or change in tooth decay rates from the 70s. So, you know, over all these decades, with all the advances we've made in science, and I obviously do a lot of research um, at MCRI and Melbourne University, and it's just quite staggering that we haven't been able to lead them to improve um, the oral health of our kids. Well, and particularly because we've had a lot of advertising about healthy eating since the 70s and you would hope that would make a difference. Uh, yes, well, you would, but I think you'd probably also agree that there is also a lot of advertising that is targeted at children and families and, and we know that 
uh, it, it's really hard, you know. I mean, even when I take my kids to the supermarket, it, it's a real challenge to to navigate all of that uh, promotion of sweet foods, um, and, and it's definitely not not easy. Yes, indeed. Uh, we're speaking with Dr. Mahiri Silva, who's a consultant paediatric dentist at the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne. You mentioned the MCRI, uh, uh, Mahiri. That's the Murdoch Children's Research Institute, um, which is situated there as well. Uh, can we talk about dental access for all, not just children? It's a major problem in Australia. Teeth are critical for everyone's health, and I guess I mean I certainly agree with you there. But I guess our focus today is on childhood because that's where you set the foundations, isn't it? It is. And, and obviously, as a paediatric dentist, I, I treat children. And I, I do acknowledge that um, most states in Australia have probably better access for children than adults. And, and the problems actually, in terms of access, probably get worse in adulthood. So that, that's a good point. And, and many of our kids, you know, they grow up as well. And I think sometimes it's uh, particularly when we when we see children with additional needs and there are challenges when they when they enter adulthood. So I, I certainly acknowledge that issue and and see that there are people in our community, many people have good access to dental services, but there are people in our community who are missing out. What is the impact of tooth decay on a child's health and well-being? I mean, why is it a problem barring just the pain in your teeth? Yeah, I'm I'm really acutely aware of that, I think, particularly working with young children. And uh, toothache is, is not pleasant, but severe toothache in a child means that the child children are distressed the family's distressed they miss out on school it impacts on you know parents attending work it affects the way they eat um, and and their sort of social interactions as well um, there's a lot of school absence and all of that period of life is so critical in terms of just developing their speaking their eating their nutrition all of those things and they kind of roll together don't they in terms of um, the overall health and well-being of the child of course, um, I've also been involved in caring for children with much more severe and acute, um, I guess, life-threatening conditions as well from, from teeth and infection that spreads rapidly. But that's, as I said, probably the minority. But, you know, most children who have tooth decay at a young age, it has a pretty big impact on them and their family. And what about throughout life? I mean, if you have tooth decay as a child, how can that play out in terms of your health and well-being? Yeah, there's some pretty good evidence from around the world that poor dental health in childhood really is the biggest cause of poor dental health in adulthood and the, and the two are very connected. So the idea is that if we can improve oral health in childhood, we'll be setting up these children to be healthier adults. And that's uh, that's really important. And the evidence is emerging. It's obviously hard to do those really long studies but we're starting to find out more about that. Uh, on the issue of access generally, we're going to talk a bit more in depth about that when the Senate committee report comes out. It's due out in November. We're speaking now with Dr Mihiri Silva. She's a consultant paediatric dentist at the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne. So we're looking specifically today at children's dental health. Lots of uh, questions coming through for you, Mihiri. David says childhood dental health is surely bound up in family culture and individual psychology psychological problems, same true for adults. Is that true or is it more that the kind of broader culture we live under with, as you said, uh, advertising around junk food and some of the, I don't know, the constraints on people's lives when it comes to healthy eating? Oh, look, it's all connected. I mean, uh, certainly children grow up in family units and that's why for me, 
uh, working with children, it is also about working with the family. Uh, so I think there is there's a role for those family uh, influences. Um, but definitely, you know, what happens in families is affected by community and our environment. So, you know, often I'm talking about these behaviours to people about brushing teeth and not eating sugar, but they are they are difficult behaviours to change and we as a community need to set up environments that support those kinds of behaviours. What, what would that look like? So simple things. I mean, I think there, there are some obvious things out there. I think sugar, the availability and the marketing and advertising of sugar to children and adults really needs to be um, reduced. And I think that there's good evidence emerging from around the world that, that things like a sugar tax can be quite effective. If we have environments that support this and make it easier for families rather than harder, we're more likely to see those changes in, in family units. Um, the other one is, I, I guess we've talked about, which is being able to access dental services uh, so that they, as a family, can have you know, good oral health. Yeah, and that's one of the questions that's come up here. Mary in Wagga says, my children are young adults now. We're eligible for vouchers due to low income, but private dentists don't promote the use of the vouchers and many parents who are eligible didn't know of the vouchers and so they were underused. Is this still the case? Look, it's hard for me to comment on, uh, you know, an individual dental practice. And, and there are differences between states for particularly um, adult voucher systems. Uh, one, of the, one of the big voucher programs that we've had for a long time is, and one that I can speak to as a paediatric dentist, is the Child Dental Benefit Scheme. So this provides quite a substantial amount of money for uh, people to take their child to a private dentist, their local family dentist or a community health service um, and have most sort of basic dental treatment, including fillings and so on. What we know is that dentists in the community have supported that. The vast majority uh, have bulk billed. So we know that they um, dentists do support it, but those kinds of programs are still not being used as much as we would like them to be used. I had a look at the website yesterday and it says, OK, you have to have, and it gives you this whole screed of information about your family tax benefit. And I was like, I don't actually remember how to look that up on my MyGov account. So it, it just feel like there's quite a barrier to processing that Yeah, look, I, I think certainly, and, and whenever I talk about it and I get asked to explain the eligibility, it's really difficult because if you look at that website, it's like if you've got this benefit or this benefit. But basically any family that receives any benefit should be eligible. So it's a little bit broader than, say, in Victoria, the healthcare card holders. So more families can access it. Um, and people do get notified. So they do get, um, I think they get text messages, but they definitely get a letter as well informing them of that of the voucher that they can use. Some people might be a bit surprised at the advice about how early you should take your child to the dentist for the first time. So those vouchers could come in very handy. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we recommend that children see the dentist as soon as the first tooth comes through, and that might be just six months of age or, or 12 months, whichever occurs first. And I know that's that it, that can be quite surprising to people. Well, yeah. And so you meant to start brushing the child's teeth around then too, but isn't it going to freak out a six-month-old if you take it to the dentist? 
Uh, look, I, I think six-month-olds are very connected to their parent, and I think it is about the child and the parent going to the dentist together. And um, the dentist should be comfortable in talking to you. It's not going to be a long 30-minute checkup for, for a six-month-old, but and it will be quite brief, and it might just be one tooth that we need to have a look at. But there are some really important things that can happen at sort of that early life that can set these kids up to have healthy teeth. And I know that when I, you know, I talk to parents of young children, parents of young children are really interested in this information. And, th- and there's a lot of things that we can do and people just don't know. So connecting in with the dentist early can definitely help. Yep. Yep. We discovered recently that the electric toothbrush is much better than the manual toothbrush and that has been a lifesaver. <laughs> Lots of texts, Mihiri Silva. Tooth decay in kids, says Annie in New South Wales. I heard of a regular clinic in Western New South Wales taking out baby teeth every week. She says, good food, please. Carers, not white bread and Devon sandwiches in daycare. Another says, is yogurt bad for baby teeth? Because uh, they've heard that chewing on solid foods was recommended for babies and young children on a program recently to allow the jaws to grow properly and reduce overcrowding of teeth in later years. I'm not sure if that it's about the sugar in the yogurt or, or that it's too soft for chewing. Uh, so maybe I'll tackle those separately. Look, with, with sugar, I, I do encourage families to stay away from anything that tastes sweet, basically, and, and particularly for young children. I, I don't know if you've noticed, but if you give them a little bit of sweet, often kids will love it and then you've kind of have to give more and more so hold back as much as possible kids have very simple kind of tastes at early in life and it does surprise us because I think we're so used to uh, adding flavor to our food we kind of expect kids to be the same but they'd love plain food and we should be encouraging that so that's the first thing yogurt obviously has a lot of dairy and has a lot of um, healthy things about it but when there's if it's a sweetened yogurt then there's sugar there as well and that's that's all the bugs in the mouth care about. Unfortunately, if there's sugar there, there's a risk of decay. Uh, the second part about chewing, look, I think it's it's hard for me to comment because it probably depends on, on the context, but we know that chewing can be important. I don't know if it necessarily correlates with dental crowding or, or orthodontic problems, but things, habits can affect how teeth line up. So dummy sucking or thumb sucking might be a good example of something that might affect the development of of teeth and how they line up. Sad to hear for many parents, I know, but good to know, good to know. Uh, the the issue of fluoride comes up every time we talk about this. Jared writes, I live in the Upper Hunter local government area and we still don't have fluoride in our water supply. It seems to be a lack of political will, he says, at the cost of good dental health. How clear is the science on, on the effect of fluoride in drinking water? The, the science simply could not be clearer about this. We know that uh, fluoridated water can reduce dental caries and the, the or tooth decay. And the real benefit here is it's not something that requires us to make a massive change. We just have to use the water in the tap. And it is a real pity, and I think it's a, a it's a problem, quite frankly, that we don't have better levels of, of water fluoridation. And certainly there's differences, again, in states, and, and some communities are missing out. And we know that those communities tend to have higher levels of tooth decay. And so what's the science on the safety of fluoride? There's been many studies that have been done and including a really nice one just recently um, based on the National Child Oral Health Survey that have shown again and again about the safety of uh, fluoride in tap water and in toothpaste. This question, do you have any 
tips for parents who struggle with toddlers who only allow a very quick brush? That's a big question for you. Oh, look, it's one of my favourite ones. And I think the first thing is, if you're trying, well done. Congratulations. I think that's the most important thing. Uh, Toddlers are tricky. Sometimes it's hard, you know. And I think the first thing is to make sure you try to brush the teeth twice a day. Some days will be hard and you won't get a very big brushing and that's okay. But you've tried and just keep trying and it will become easier Kids, you know, before you're long, you're six month old, he's 12 months and then they're two years and then they're four and then they're starting school. It just kind of rolls along very quickly. So that's why it's having that introduced and persisting with it is is much better than trying to, uh, you know, having a break and then saying, OK, now they're four, I'm going to start brushing their teeth. It's really important we do it as soon as the teeth come through. Yes, indeed. Stick a superhero on the toothbrush, give them a sticker, whatever it takes. We're speaking with Dr. Mahiri Silva about all the complicated things that go into good dental health in childhood and how that plays out in adulthood. Why can't producers be compelled to remove or reduce sugar content in products, says one text. There's so much sugar in Australian food. A sugar tax will just see us paying more and more for food. I guess that bounces off the some of the things that this Senate Committee into Dental Health is looking at now. They're having hearings around the country and the final report, as we mentioned, is coming out in November. It's considering some big reforms in the entire dental health space. Can you speak to what you think is needed to improve things across the board? I think what we have to recognise is that while many Australians have good oral health, there are groups in our community that miss out. And uh, particularly, I think, people from low-income backgrounds, uh, people with with disabilities, um, people from rural and remote areas. And so what we need, and Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, and what we really need is to make sure that we have programs and um, available to them so that they can access the dentist and have good dental care. And the kind of dental care that they want is orientated towards their needs. Um, and, and that's hard because we have to change the way we provide health services. And, and it is, um, you know, I know that we, we it, it's governments tend to hesitate to fund dental care because providing dental treatment is is complicated. It requires some pretty fancy equipment and and so there are some costs involved. but it's you know we in a country like Australia, this should be this should be something that everybody should have access to and it shouldn't be only for some. Um, I think there are other things that we can do at a population level, water fluoridation, um, looking at sugar advertising and and perhaps a sugar tax. Those sorts of things will make a difference, not just for dental health, by the way, more broadly as well. Yeah, as you said, everything is connected. Mihiri, it's been fantastic chatting with you and getting your expertise to help with our listener questions. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Dr Mahiri Silva is a consultant paediatric dentist at the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne. Uh, The final report of that parliamentary committee is due in November and the next hearing's in Brisbane on the 20th of September. We heard about some of the gaps in fluoridation. A lot of those are in Queensland, some of those communities missing out. That parliamentary committee is called the Select Committee into the Provision of and Access to Dental Services in Australia. Getting in touch with ABC RN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.